Hey everyone, my name is Monty and I'm a pastor here at Meadows Church. And I just wanna thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're watching from, wherever you're listening from, you are welcome. And we're just believing that God is going to do something supernatural in this message. So again, thank you and God bless you. There is a light. I am so excited about this Christmas series that kicks off today. Um, but, but you know what? Before I even get into the message, though, we got to take care of some house, cle- house cleaning stuff. Um, two weeks ago, we just got to make you aware of this safety thing for the church that there was like uh, a perpetrator at the church two weeks ago. And I, we're just making you aware of it so you know what's going on. And uh, maybe you'll even recognize we got the person on camera. So we got a picture of it. Do we got, do we got that picture of a, like this guy? I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, wait a minute. That's Pastor Casey. Oh, okay, well, see, actually give it up for Pastor Casey because he preached for me for two weeks while I was in quarantine. But but when I asked Casey to preach for me, he didn't tell me he was going to bring his little friend with him. He did not tell me that. So I pull up the, I pull up the message, the online message at 6 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, the close-up, huh? I pull up the message, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I call Casey. I said, Casey, you can't walk around looking like that. You can't do that. All of a sudden, you're on America's Most Wanted. What, what in the heck? So, and you might be thinking, no, wait a minute, Pastor. You kind of got some new stuff, too, going on. I, maybe I do, yeah. But it's not just the stash only, right? I mean, come on. You know why it's not just the stash? Because I'm not a serial killer. That's why, okay? Holy cow. Jake, Jake asked me, he's like, Dad, where do you think you got COVID from? And I said, I said, Jake, I really don't know. But after thinking about it, I think I might have got it from Casey's mustache. I don't know. What good can come from that? I, okay, take it off, take it off. So, just somehow claim me. Oh my gosh. So, okay, Christmas. So, we are entering into the Christmas season. Is anybody excited that it's, it is the Christmas season? Are you excited? Yeah! I mean, some of you, you've been decorating since September, and that isn't right, but God still loves you. But it is the Christmas season. And I would contend, it is the most wonderful time of the year. It is the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Did you miss my singing? Uh, Yeah, okay, you didn't. That's okay. I just had to get that out. It is the most wonderful time of the year. But do me a favor. Say it's complicated. It is complicated, especially this year, right? Think about it. Who's all going to gather together? Who's going to host? Who's going to be there? I mean, all these questions we got going on, it is complicated. It's, but actually, you know, some of you, that whole gathering thing and you can't gather together, some of you, you don't mind that, do you? Honestly, you think about your family, you're like, you know, calling Cousin Eddie, you know, Cousin Eddie, we're, we won't be there this year to join you at the double wide, you know, we're, the whole COVID thing, we really shouldn't, we'll zoom in, you know, you're using that as an excuse, but I wouldn't do that, but you would. So, but the, the holidays, here's one thing about the holidays that I know, they exaggerate the bad. They, they, it, it does. I mean, I love the holidays, but, but when things aren't right, it like exaggerates it. Like Thanksgiving, for example, like Thanksgiving, I don't know where you spent it. I spent it in a bedroom, you know, alone. <laughs> so the, you want to hear a sad story? I'll give it to you. I'm in, alone in a bedroom eating food that I can't smell or taste. I mean, I mean, I kid you not. My wife Jody's like, hey, how is it? I'm like, sweetie, this is awesome. 
She's like, you're just saying that. I said, yeah, I am just saying that. I have no idea what it tastes like, you know? But I bet if I could taste it, Jody, it would have been incredible. So, but I couldn't taste, couldn't smell. Actually, I got to give you one more uh, COVID story real quick because it's on my mind and my heart. I, because uh, people ask me, what was it like, you know, having it? And I'm like, yeah, I was tired and had a fever one day and that kind of thing. But there was, there was a 20 minute like period where I was, I felt like uh, lightheaded. So I go from the, my, my, my jail cell, the, be, the bedroom, into the bathroom, and I, and I have a seat. Okay, I don't need to elaborate, and you don't want me to elaborate, but I'm sitting, and I'm feeling really lightheaded, and I start sweating, like bad, like profusely sweating, and it's dripping down. Ava, you were home, remember? I was like, I was like, Ava, because she's upstairs, and I'm, I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, Ava, get your mom. I, I said, get Jody, and, and, and Ava's like, mom! I was like, okay, I could have done that. Okay, go get your mom. So, so, and Jody's like, I'm on the phone. I'm like, I'm literally dying here. And Jody's like, oh, I'm on a call. You came up about 15 minutes later, Jody. Thank you for that. Um, so she comes up and, and she's outside the door. What's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm just sweating like crazy. And it finally subsides a little bit. And I, I, I gather my bearings and I get up and I stumble kind of back into the bedroom. But that was weird. And I'm sitting there in the, in the bed and all of a sudden I hear the garage door open. And the car leaves. And I'm like, where are they? And I'm like, hello? Hello? And I'm like, no one's there. So I text. I'm like, where'd you guys go? They're like, oh, we're going to go look at Christmas lights. I'm like, I literally was just about flopping on the floor. You go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. So, so, God pray for us. The holidays exaggerate the bad. And I wrote this down. At Christmas, we're reminded that there are problems that we can't solve. Right? There are problems we can't solve. There are people we can't control, and there's expectations that we can't meet. If you think about that, it's true, especially this year. There are problems you can't solve, right? Where are we going to go? Who's going to be whatever? Expectations that we can't meet, people we can't control. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, but what do you do when the magic and the wonder of Christmas, it seems almost out of reach? Like, it, it, it seems like it's just so messed up. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but, but not because of what's happening. It's the most wonderful time of the year because of what's happened. That's why it's the most wonderful time of the year. When we were at our darkest, God sent a light. When we were at our worst, God sent his best, Jesus to, be, to become the center of history, not only to become the center of history, but to become the center of your story and my story. Is Christmas going to look different this year? It very likely will. But at the end of the day, Christmas was never about who you're with. It was never about who's with you. Christmas is about who's for you. Christmas is about who is for you. Repeat after me. There is a light. There is a light named Jesus who is for you this Christmas. And if anybody knew that, it would have been a guy named John. John, arguably Jesus' closest friend and disciple. Peter would argue that, but scholars would say John was the guy. John wrote one of the four Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are kind of, they're, they're similar the way they're written, their style. They're called synoptic Gospels. But, but John... John's is different. And I'm going to show you that. And what's weird about John's is John's gospel was written very likely last. In fact, John would have been an old man by the time he wrote this gospel. 
He didn't know he was writing a gospel. He just thought, I'm just recording stuff in a book. But it turned out to be a gospel. So John's old, and it's a dark time for the church. Persecution is all over the place. Thousands. He, he has seen people executed, killed. You know who's been, who's been executed by now? Peter's been executed. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, by the time John is penning these words, Paul's been executed. Jerusalem has been destroyed. The temple, gone. That's, what's, that's, what, that's what John is looking at as he's writing this gospel of John. Yet, what's crazy is John never lost faith, so it seems. Like, like John was actually the one guy, one of the, the one disciple that was at the foot of the cross as Jesus hung there. All the other, the other 11 or 10 at that time, gone, ran. John's at the foot of the cross. John's at the foot of the cross when Jesus speaks to him from the cross, saying, say, telling John basically, this is my mother, Mary, take care of her. That's what he tells John, and John would have done that. Mary would have lived with John after Jesus was gone. So John would know the story of Christmas for sure. He would have heard it from Jesus. He would have heard it from Mary. Think of the stories they shared when they lived together. He would have known all about the angel coming to Mary and telling Mary, favored woman, you are going to have the, the, the Messiah. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. He would have known it. He would have known the story that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He would have known the story about the three wise men going to visit Jesus. He would have known that one of the wise men's names was Santa Claus. He would know these things. Okay, I was kidding. He's not Santa. I'm making sure you're listening. Are you listening to me? Okay, so it's not Santa. It's Chris Kringle was one of the, just kidding. No, so um, he, would have know, he would have known. So, but what's weird about John's gospel, he doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. He doesn't start talking about Mary being pregnant. He doesn't start, he doesn't start his gospel talking about Jesus being born and, and laid in a manger or Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes or the shepherds in the fields. John doesn't start with any of that. John starts way differently. Will you go with me to, to the gospel of John, whether you're, you're on your mobile app or in your word or you watch it online or watch it on the screen? John 1 let me show you how he starts. It's crazy. Verse 4. This is how John describes it. In him was life. In him was light. The light of all mankind. That's how he starts. The light shines in the darkness, he says. And the darkness has not overcome it. This is how John describes Jesus. He is life. Like, I don't know how to say it. He's, he's light. The darkness cannot overcome it. And then John continues, and he starts talking about another man named John the Baptist. And he says, there was this man sent from God whose name was also John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify to concerning that light, Jesus. He says, so that through him all might, what? Believe. He came as a witness, John the Baptist, to testify that all might believe. He himself wasn't the light. John the Baptist wasn't the light. He was only a witness to the light, kind of like you and I if we're a follower of Jesus. We're a witness to the light. 
What, what's crazy about John the Baptist, so, so him and Jesus were relatives, and they would have been like six months apart in age. So Mary's pregnant. He, John was witnessing about Jesus before they were even born. Did you? It's crazy, and Luke, you can read it. Mary's pregnant with Jesus. Her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. And Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and they, and they meet. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that John, in the womb, leapt for joy. In the womb, he leaps for joy because he knows he's in the presence of Jesus. He knows he's in the presence of the Messiah. He knows that in Mary is the fetus that would lead us. Okay, I'm sorry, that was just weird. But that's what he knows. He knows it. And so John, let's continue the gospel. John, the, not the Baptist, John, the, the, the disciple, says in verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone, that includes you, by the way, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, check it out, the world didn't recognize him. And you know what? The world today, most of the world, still don't recognize him. That's why we do what we do right now. It's why what we do what we do in life groups. It's why we do what we do as we read the word of God. It's why we do what we do when we invite. It's why we do what we do when we love somebody supernaturally. This is why. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Jesus comes to his own. This is the Jews. They didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, you ready for this? To those who believed, say believe, to those that believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. They believed it and they received it. But you know what, you know what I couldn't get by when I studied this for this week for you and for me? Is the fact that his own didn't receive him. So in my personal time, I'm reading through the gospel of Mark. And it's nuts because I'm reading that this week, reflecting on, on the message we're going to be talking about today, and it hit me. See, the, the Bible's so awesome because it never contradicts itself. Truth can't contradict itself. So, so, so Mark's writing in his gospel, let me show you what he writes and, sh and show you how it points to what, what John just wrote about Jesus. In Mark 6, remember how he said they didn't receive him? Mark 6 verse 3. Jesus, by the way, let me set it up. Jesus has just done some crazy miracles, awesome things, and, and now he enters into his hometown. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in a place called Nazareth. So he's back in Nazareth, his hometown. Listen to, and they know, he, I mean, they've, they've heard the stories that he's doing miracles, and this is what it says in verse three. They scoffed. He, he's, just, he's just a carpenter. The son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. Now, you know, Jesus had sisters. They live right here among us. And they were offended at Jesus. They were offended and they refused to what? They refused to believe in him. That's insane, given the fact they would have known what Jesus had just done. They would have heard the stories, trust me. Some of them probably even saw it. Well, what did he just do? Good question. In Mark 5, which I'm going to challenge you to read this week, Mark 5, Jesus has just done crazy things. Like, he's healed a man possessed with thousands of demons. <laughs> and you thought your life was jacked up. And it is, and so is mine. But this guy had problems. So Jesus healed this guy. Jesus heals a woman who's been sick for years. Jesus heals a little girl. He does more than heal her. He raises her from the dead. So this has all happened. All these things have happened, and they don't believe. 
I'll read a few more verses because it sets us up so well for what John wrote. Then Jesus told them, a prophet's honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, don't miss this, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Wait, Mark, you mean, you mean he wouldn't do miracles? Mm -mm, that's not what Mark said. Mark said he couldn't. Jesus couldn't. You think your belief it makes a difference in how God moves in your life? I guarantee you it does. I guarantee you it does. Are we praying like we believe? Are we living like we believe? Are we loving like we believe? Your belief makes a huge difference. And, and listen, the last, the last verse, verse six, kills me. Jesus, it says, Jesus was amazed. Now, if you do something to amaze Jesus, that's amazing because he's Jesus. Well, this isn't how you want to amaze Jesus. He was amazed at their unbelief. He says, I can't believe that you can't believe. He is amazed at their unbelief. And I think to myself, how many people that day in his hometown stayed in the dark because of their unbelief? How many people were not healed that day? because of their unbelief? How many people were, remained lost because of their unbelief? It, it, it was amazing. So then I think about who Jesus has just healed. And, I, and as I was reading through Mark this week, you know what's crazy about their belief? Every one of those cases, they pursued Jesus with their belief. They took steps to back up their belief. It, it's crazy, that guy that was possessed with thousands of demons when Jesus got to the shore, you're going to read this this week, by the way, too, Mark 5. You've got to read it. When Jesus got to the shore, that man who was jacked up with all the demons, he pursued Jesus, came at Jesus, bowed, loud, bowed before him. You'll read it. What if I told you, you know how much his belief mattered? You know how much belief matters in general? What if I told you that because the, the demons believed, Jesus honored their request? That's crazy. You, you'll read it. The demons that were in that man, they believed Jesus is who he said he was. They plead with Jesus, Jesus, don't cast us out to that pit, that place of darkness. I mean, they're referring to Sheol or place of the dead or, or hell is another word. They're, they're begging Jesus. Think about how bad hell is. By the way, the demons don't even want to go there. That's how bad it is. So they're begging Jesus. Jesus honors the demon's request. You think he'll honor belief? He honors a demon's belief. And he says, all right, I'll cast you out into the pigs. And he casts, casts him out into a bunch of a herd of pigs. But belief, that woman that was sick for years, Jesus didn't go looking for her. Her belief was so deep that she went pursuing Jesus. So much so that she crawled through a crowd and touched his hem, his robe, touched his clothes, and she's healed. Are you kidding me? But Jesus didn't pursue, she pursued him. She had to pursue him. The man had to pursue Jesus. The demons had to speak up and request, don't send us, don't send us down there. Don't, don't. They had to, their belief was backed up. The, the girl that was dead, her dad pursued Jesus. Said, my little girl is sick. She wasn't dead yet. And Jesus says, let's go. I can tell you believe. And they're going. Well, those other things happen. And all of a sudden, Jesus is too late and the girl dies. You know what Jesus told the man, the dad of the girl that was dead? You know what he said? Just keep on believing. That's what he said. Keep on believing. Your belief, I'm telling you, it is crucial 
for you to experience the light of Christmas like God wants you to, for you to experience your God-given purpose. Your belief is way bigger than just, oh, I believe in Jesus, it's up here in my head. No, 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 look what I'm telling you. They believe so much. That man believed so much, he stayed with Jesus, went to the house where the girl was dead, and then what does Jesus do? He separates those that are believing from non-believing. The non-believers, he set them out, away from him, away from the miracle. Those that believe, some disciples, the mom, the dad, well, they got to go in. And as Jesus touched that little girl, she was raised to life. And the ones that believed, they saw the miracle. They experienced the miracle. The belief is, I mean, it blew me away. So I wrote it down. When you believe, say believe. When you believe in the light of Christ, you will experience the power of Christ. Now, when I say believe, I'm talking action. I hope you know that. Oh, I believe, Jesus, you're a big God, you're great and all this. But, but are you living that way? Are you praying that way? Are you moving that way? Believing. When you believe in the light of Christ, you'll experience the power of Christ. John, in his gospel, he wrote this in, in chapter 12. I have come as a light. He's writing about Jesus. He's, he's quoting Jesus, I should say. I have come as a light to shine in a dark world. Question. Do we live in a dark world? Yeah. I have come as a light to shine in a dark world so that all, say all, it's a big deal. Not just some, not just those of you that got your life together, not just those of you that behaved last night, not just those of you that have a great prayer life, not just those of you that are just, you know, coming to church all the time. All, all who put their trust in me, will no longer remain in the dark. That's Jesus himself speaking. John wrote it down. Oh, by the way, if anybody experienced darkness, it was John. You remember how I told you that he was at the foot of the cross, the one disciple that hung out and stayed there when Jesus was dying? Okay. So Jesus hung, hung there for six hours, if you don't know, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And at noon... John would have been standing there with Mother Mary and probably some others. At noon, it literally goes dark. It says the world was dark. The Bible says the sun, let me quote it. It's always good to quote scripture. The light from the sun was gone. There stands John. It is dark. Hope is gone. And for somebody in this place, I believe with all my heart, this is where you're at. Hope is gone. Like you are in a place of despair. You are in a place of frustration. You're in a place of regret, remorse, depression. But there is a light. John, think of the belief Say believe. Think of the belief it would take for John when all the others have ran for their life because they're afraid they're going to get killed. John stands at the cross in the dark. What kind of belief is it that you stand at the cross and, and, and remain faithful to a dying king? That same John, by the way, as he stood at the cross, that same John, three days later, 
would go to the tomb, an empty tomb, by the way. That same John would ultimately have breakfast on a beach with a risen king. See, this is why I'm convinced of something. That regardless of anything that we're going through, regardless of what you're going through or I'm going through, no matter how hard it is for you right now, no matter how big the struggle, no matter how deep the depression, there is a light that shines bright and no amount of darkness can put it out. I'm telling somebody, when you believe in the light of Christ, you will experience the power of Christ. You will. It will happen. It will happen, I promise you. God shows us there's a light. John, it's, it's crazy because John sums up his whole gospel. Like there's a part in John where he says, this is why I'm even writing any of this down. Why am I recording any of this? He says it in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. He says, the disciples, me and the other guys, we saw Jesus do many other miracles, many other miraculous signs, in addition to the ones recorded in this book. Do you know the Bible only gives you a sliver of what Jesus did? You think that's all that Jesus' whole life has encompassed in the Bible? No. The miracles that Jesus did, there's so many that we won't know until we meet him someday. I pray you meet him. God, I pray you meet him. So, so he says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe. Why are you writing the gospel, John? So that you might believe. I'm writing all of this for you, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And that by believing in him, by believing in him, you will have life by the power in his name. So, so by believing in Jesus, I will have this life. But by believing, believing here in Jesus, I will have this light. That's why he wrote it. Today, I believe with all my heart that God is wanting you to believe again. To believe in his provision to believe in his promises. You might be thinking, Pastor, yeah, I get it, but I got problems. Yeah, you know what? I got them too. I am telling you, I've got them too. Didn't we say earlier, Christmas reminds us there's problems we can't solve, people we can't control, expectations we can't meet. So I, I'm reflecting on that this week. And you know what I thought to myself? I'm the problem I can't solve. I'm the person I can't control. I've got the expectations that I can't meet. I've had some time to reflect over a couple weeks. I've never, honestly, I've never had more hope for God's church and, and, and because 
we've never desperately needed light probably more than in my lifetime than we need it now, which gives me hope because we carry this light. But as I tell you that, I'll be vulnerable and tell you honestly what goes through my head. I have never felt more ill-equipped, ever. I've never felt more ill-equipped as your leader, your pastor. I've never felt more ill-equipped as a dad, a husband, a follower. I've never felt more ill-equipped. And I remember thinking this week, I'm like, God, I am not capable. I'm not capable. It is like God reached down and said, but do you believe that I am? Do you believe that God is capable to put things back together that you've wrecked and pulled apart and destroyed? Do you believe? So yeah, I've got problems, trust me. And you probably do too. But today, like like today, like right now, can we come to an agreement together as the body of Christ, as the church? Today, can we decide like in unity, together, Today, can we decide that God's promises are greater than our problems? And at the end of the day, it is not about who's with us on Christmas. It is about who is for us. And if my God is for me, I need to know who can stand against me. I need someone to praise God. I need to hear you. There is a light. And it's shining in the dark. And God wants you to believe it, receive it. When you believe in that light that is Jesus, you will experience that power that is Jesus. This year, people will say, oh, this year it's brought on so much. You know what I believe? I don't think it's brought on so much. I think it's exposed so much. I do. I don't think, there's not a lot new that's happening this year. It might be labeled something different. It might, it might be called something, something different. Trust me, we've always had these problems. God is shining a light. And, and light exposes things, things that sometimes we don't want to expose. Like the closer you get to Jesus, the more he's going to reveal things that you don't want to see. And that I don't want to see sin in my life. But light just exposes it. Like if you're doesn't really, doesn't, I thought about if you're in a dark room or you're in a, a, a lit room, say a bedroom, dresser, bed, if you turn the light off, did it change the room? No. I mean, it just, you can't see it. But is the bed still there? Yep. Is the dresser still there? Trust me. I know this firsthand. I I stubbed my toe in a dark room about a month ago. I don't, how can a little appendage hurt so bad? I don't get that, but it was so bad. But you turn the light on, it's just there. There's something about being exposed. See, sin grows in the dark. Secrets grow in the dark. But what better time than the light of the world, the light of Christmas, to, to bring things into the light and allow Jesus to heal you 
and set you free. This is what he wants to do today. This is the word of God. Sin grows in the dark. Bring it into the light. Will you believe, and I mean believe, it's all God's ever wanted. It's all he's ever wanted from the beginning of time. Even in the garden with Adam and Eve, it's all he ever wanted. Would you believe me? Believe me, you can eat from anything. Please believe me. Just don't eat, just don't eat from the one tree. Will you please believe me? I'm begging you, just, I, all I want you to do is believe me. Just don't eat from that, but anything else is yours. Believe me. Why? One word. If anybody did, could deduce God to one word, John did it. John did it. In his writings, you know what he would ultimately describe God as? One word. Love. He said, my God is love. Somebody, I don't know who needed to hear this, but there's a God that loves you so much. And he's begging that you would believe that he has the power to change your circumstances. He's wanting you to believe that he has the power to change your relationships. He's wanting you to own the fact that he can change the dysfunction and the mess that's happening in your life. But it's not up to him. He's already done his part. It happened on the cross and in the tomb. It's up to you. You don't have to ask him. He's already done it. The cross is already, it's done. It's up to you. Will you pursue him and bow low before him like the man? Will you crawl through a crowd and touch his hem? Will you keep on believing even when the person is dead and all hope is gone? It's up to you. My question is, will you take a step, whatever God tells you to do, to believe again? I mean, believe again wholeheartedly, so much so that you're gonna experience the power of God in your life. Miracles happen all the time. Why would, you, why would we think they're for other people or other centuries? Mm -mm. They're for you in this place today. And the greatest start you can do, I talked about baptism earlier. Well, even before baptism, it's surrendering to God, surrendering everything. And there's no better time to do that than right here, right now, that you would believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, the light of the world. And the light was dark on the cross, but it didn't stay dark on the cross because three days later, when Paul went to, or John went to the tomb, it was empty. Why? Jesus Christ was alive. And because he was alive, you and I can experience the light of the world. Sell out to that today. Bring your sin into, to, into light today. Ask him for his forgiveness today. He'll forgive you on the spot. The word of God says, he did, says he'll do it. He needs you to repent. That means turn away. Ask him to give you the help and the power not to do those things anymore. He'll do it. He'll help you. He'll walk with you. In a few minutes, the prayer team will be up here after our final worship song. I'm asking you to come up and pray with them boldly. And when you pray, you believe that God's going to show up in a mighty way. Because if you don't believe it, guess what? You're right. It won't happen. It ain't up to God. He's done his part. Let's do our part. And let God experience, or let God change us and transform us and shine his light in us. Amen, church? Amen, church? Amen. Father, boy, oh boy, I thank you for John.
I thank you that arguably your best friend, when you walk the earth, wrote down happenings, wrote down quotes, wrote down his experience, and how he starts. This is my friend. This is my savior. This is my God. In him is life. Father, there are people here today that if you were to ask them, is there life in you? Is there hope in you? Is there joy in you? I'm afraid there's many people that, whether they're watching online or here in the room, would say, you know, I don't feel it. I don't have it. I I, I don't, I can't, I'm not experiencing that. (laughs) Why do you think you're here today? Why do you think you're watching today? God is revealing himself to you in a light, in a lighted place, a God filled with light. He is, he is speaking to you through his Holy Spirit, asking you to take a step towards him, to do what he's calling you to do. Is it writing baptism on the card and declaring light for all to see? Is it surrendering your life to him, going all in, saying, I don't just want to believe in my head, but I want to believe in my heart of hearts that you are a God who loves me, who sent your son to die for me so I might get to live for you forever. Father, it is the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) Not because of anything happening around us, but because what's already happened on the cross, in the tomb, it's empty. And because of that, we have tremendous hope My prayer is that everybody here, everybody watching, will do whatever you're telling them to do. If they do, they're going to experience power. They're going to experience light, and they're going to experience hope in a new way. That's my prayer. I pray it in Jesus' name, and I declare it in Jesus' name, and I'll back it up by saying, if we do those things, the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name, I pray, and we all say, so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We want to invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement, and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching, and God bless you.